Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films podcast. This is Rahul Desai. Um, I'm a film critic for Film Companion. Um, I have with me my good friend and the Mint uh, film critic uh, Uday Bhatia, and we are back this week, as we promised last week, to discuss uh, more films and uh, very interesting state of films too. Uh, we are because uh, uh, Uday pulled out, pulled up. Non-noisy, non-noisy. Hey, uh, I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna stop it here. Your voice is uh, uh, coming in and out. Like I can't hear it. Uh, oh wow, that's like that's a role reversal. Um, I know. Is yeah. it my connection or yours? I think it's fine right now. Uh, can you hear me properly? Huh. Um, huh. Now I can. Yeah. yeah, I think there was some disturbance, but I'd like to believe it came on your from your part, uh, from your side. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we uh, then we are going to be discussing three titles today. Uh, we are going to start with Shamshera. We uh, then there's the huge Netflix film, The Grey Man, and we are going to talk about our favorite film of the week, a Hindi film called RK RK, directed by Rajat Kapoor. Um, two double role films this week, Uday, and uh, we're going to start with the more high profile of it, the Yashraj uh, period drama called Shamshera. Uh, obviously, very popular for being um, uh, for being Ranbir Kapoor's return to screen after four years, directed by Karan Malodra. Um, you know, a consecutive second consecutive historical for uh, Yashraj after uh, after Samrat Prithviraj and. Um, uh, Uday, why don't you take it from here? Just a few lines about Shamshera before we get into our reviews of it and our reactions to it. Uh, okay, so um, uh, as most of you, even those who have not seen the film, will know that uh, it has Ranbir playing a double role. He plays the decoit uh, Shamshera in um, uh, late uh, 19th century um, British era India. Uh, he's uh, he's mostly rebelling against uh, upper caste Indians more so than the British, and I think that's one of the interesting uh, wrinkles in the story uh, that um, the British are less of a villain figure than the upper caste who oppress his tribe, uh, and uh, he is basically, but he's uh, obviously terrible decision making because he is the. Uh, uh, he's just the first of the Ranbirs and the second one has a more major role. And uh, he makes a deal with the British through uh, this sort of mercenary uh, uh, called Shod Singh, played by Sanjay Dutt, who uh, tricks him into leading all his people into a fort and then obviously they're imprisoned there. And uh, in trying to escape from there, Shamshera uh, dies. And uh, his uh, his wife gives birth to a son who looks exactly like him, also played by Ranbir Kapoor. Then the film jumps forward 25 years. The son is uh, named Balli. And uh, then uh, uh, it's the slow uh, transformation of Balli into a decoit himself. Uh, so he kind of becomes his father as he learns of his uh, legacy. And uh, the, this all takes place in uh, in 19th century uh, India. And um, Shud Singh uh, uh, 
survives uh, the first Ranbir and uh, then must clash with the second one and they kind of fight it out by the end. Yeah. So it's that... sort of decoit western uh, kind of action adventure uh, thing. Um, obviously influenced by a couple of the recent films that are happening, but also, I mean, an attempt to pull on the very vast uh, legacy of decoit films in India, but cannot quite find its tone. Uh, uh, Rahul, what did you think of uh, how the film went about uh, sort of transitioning from one Ranbir to the other? Because I thought that's where it kind of loses its... Um, vitality in in the move yeah. from uh, the first to the yeah. second Ranbir. Right, yeah. Yeah, I was reading your review too and you know, you rightly also sort of mentioned that it was sort of when it transitions from the first to second Ranbir and you know, the second Ranbir is introduced as this roguish character who wants to actually be, uh, you know, a British era sort of a British Raj policeman like from the, uh, an Indian policeman unlike his father who was literally the opposite, who was a decoit, a leader, revolutionary for his tribe. Um, I, I, I thought like, I mean, you know, it, it went fairly templateish from like from the first to second. See, the thing is, I've, I have a bunch of things to talk about here, especially with a lot of things, what the film gets like uh, uh, wrong. I'm going to start with actually more about the tone you mentioned, right? Like um, a bunch of things. Uh, it's it's like five or six genres together. It pulls on, you know, a couple of South Indian blockbusters that we've seen recently, pulls on the decoit films that you mentioned, pulls on so many uh, Hollywood, Western and period epics. And <clears throat> the transition that we speak about at the beginning of the film from, you know, Shamshera to, uh, to Bali, I mean, you know, as most Bollywood, as most mainstream Bollywood films do, uh, you know, it, it's most... It, it's so physical in the sense that it's sort of a color tone thing. Like for me, the transition wasn't uh, so much of a problem as was the the sort of detail of uh, of why Shamshera sort of fails and why Bali or you know Ranbir Kapoor playing his son Bali uh, immediately transitions from this aspiring policeman uh, to. Uh, to, you know, like uh, his father's son, basically. It's yeah, all very... exactly. You know, so just, uh, just to sort of amend what I had said, uh, or to put it a little better, it not the the transition from Shamshera to Bali, but uh, once Bali is there, the very quick transition back to a Shamshera uh, was where kind of the film kind of started losing me. Uh, anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah, you mean like the the time that sort of Bali wakes up to his, his father's legacy, right? Like it, it yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it basically takes it because till then Bali is this very Ranbir Kapoorish character, right? Like he's technically Ranbir Kapoor playing him in like Barfi and Jagga Jasusa, especially except it's in you know 19th century sort of British India, uh, and he you know this this sort of uh, almost Pied Piper sort of character who is friends with children and who is. Who, who sort of looks at life through a, a very jokey lens. Uh, and that transition, obviously, you know, it's it's on paper. You know, a lot of this film is just on paper. A lot of things happen because they are supposed to happen because that's how it's written. There is no real conviction to how visually it happens or psychologically it happens or intellectually it happens. Because, see, all it takes for the transition here is Bali basically, uh, uh, you know, being betrayed by one of the policemen who uh, and you know Sanjay Dutt himself, who's playing Shoot Singh, being humiliated by him uh, during uh, police training because they decide to sort of 
uh, have fun at his expense and they e- even threaten to torture a child at the same time and you know when you know a film is in trouble when it resorts to to- torturing a child within the first 20 minutes like it it, it is a and and ranbir and that is the transition for balli uh, who didn't know who was under the impression that his father was a coward because that's how the uh, past played out the uh, the his mother who was shamshera's wife uh, sort of made it seem that uh, uh, he was uh, escaping from the fort from this prison uh, but in reality he was actually trying to escape so that he could earn enough gold to pay off the british and bribe them to sort of sign a new deal which is really roundabout you know if you come to think of it because this is a action drama you have like two technical superheroes at the center of the film so you know we need i mean like i could not get over like there were a lot of not bad things in the sense the way you mentioned that uh, that you know the british aren't the villains in this film of course they are the villains they are the antagonists but they aren't like uh, they aren't uh, the opponents in this film it should sing who's the broker who is the mercenary and and you know if anything the british comes off looking as a little more sort of intelligent and thoughtful they have a white Uh, they have this rare white uh, colonel uh, in the second half of the film who has more empathy towards how the british betrayed uh, this khameran tribe this lower caste tribe right. that uh, chamshera used to head so they you know the british are a little more sympathetic towards their fate but it's obviously shoot singh who acts as that all out uh, sort of villain and i i like that you mentioned the sort of caste undertones there because it is technically this upper class uh, upper caste sort of hindu purity speaking and that is the villain of the film because that is where uh, shoot singh comes from that's where uh, a lot of the antagonism towards this khameran tribe comes from so all these things you know all these little ideas on paper um, sort of make sense especially given where the histo- hindi historical has been heading or where the indian historical has been heading at least politically and you know on in a caste sense but none of it comes through in the film you know like the, for for example me I, you know i sort of noticed the caste thing while watching the film but i was like you know this film is so bad that um, that you know i i don't think it sort of merits a mention because it did not translate on to screen for me uh, because you know there just a bunch of scenes and it felt very tokenistic it didn't feel honest um or uh, you know liberal it, it felt liberal for the sake of being liberal it, it wasn't really trying to make a statement or anything so uh, you know for me it was the actual language of the film as a fantasy actioner as a historical drama that was really problematic or that was really i couldn't get over a lot of decisions the film made on a writing level like we'll come to the vfx we'll come to the very sort of bland visual language of the film in a bit but i just could not get over how the film went past the screenplay stage it's a and uh, you know you mentioned the colonel that would have been such an interesting character out there like someone who's kind of like this sort of sad bounty hunter figure is is such a good character to come into any film uh, uh, and uh, but he's uh, it it never really goes anywhere like uh, the should sing who seems like kind of a cartoon villain in the first half uh is uh, s- suddenly just becomes uh, much more effective than the brits uh, whom mm. he was very servile towards early on and this colonel character never really goes anywhere and it's just it's like whenever the film does have a good idea i don't think it really knows how to see it through uh mm. and you know it sort of the thing with the uh, there's uh, there's a heist 
uh, sort of later on in the film, uh, the uh, Bali has to steal the the queen's crown, uh, which is touring India, and this is uh, signaled very early on in the film. Uh, so they set it up fine. I mean, we are aware of this. We are aware this crown is going to come, and it's like you know, it's 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 sort of signposted and everything. And uh, but it's just the, there is like it, it. This should have been like a nice, uh, you know, nice heist. It should have. They should have showed them working it out, uh, yeah. uh, and they, you know, it should have involved uh, the other uh, people whom the small army that uh, Bali puts together when he escapes. And uh, but none of that. Instead, they just uh, they they shelve that and they just give him like this sort of superhero. Uh, kind of thing, where he single-handedly runs up on a horse, blows out part of a train, jumps in, takes the thing, and I, I liked that little bit, like that half minute where he jumps into the train and kind yeah. of gets the crown in that like sort of one take thing. But yeah. Uh, yeah. again, it's like had they done it like as a proper heist, taken like 10-15 minutes and pulled that off. Uh, I think it might have served the film a lot better, considering that it's not like they had any memorable set pieces in the film. Uh, mm. The uh, the the final uh, sh- shootout is just really weird, uh, and uh, it's uh, I think they could have really gone all out for this one set piece, and at least had like one standout set piece, which would have been, mm. you know, which uh, you know, if you're an action movie, then at least give us that. Yeah, so clearly that set piece you mentioned, the heist of you know the queen's crown and and makes it look like a single take sequence. He's riding a white horse. Uh, he goes sort of uh, you know parallel to the train and somehow manages to get in, uh, defeat the soldiers all in one shot and you know sort of takes the crown. So again, you know that's that's as far as the imagination goes, creativity goes as far as action set pieces are concerned. Obviously, in a post-Bahubali world, in you know this Rajamouli sort of world, uh, uh, it really—I mean, it's nothing outstanding, but it's as—it's uh, as good as say a Hindi film actioner has gotten this year, and there have been a fair amount of them uh, uh, this year. So you know, again, I can see where that sequence is coming from because you know you—you are servicing a particular genre of storytelling, and there has to be something memorable. Uh, in the film but my problem is if you're going to show Bali uh, capable of doing such a thing and if you are going to show uh, like for example when he even initially when he sort of just gets on top of the fort and escapes without any problem because he just has his father's genes because he just realizes that his father was a hero not a coward so suddenly he becomes a superhero so he just sort of escapes without any problem finds his father's old tribe uh, uh, you know, gathers this ragtag team of like old Camerons, uh, and uh, 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 and and his entire sort of this sort of ready-made heroism, uh, for me, um, it was at complete odds with you know how this sort of how the film also unfurled. Because if he's capable of doing this high sequence in the train and stealing the crown, he's very capable of just reaching the fort. And blasting it open and defeating Shutsing in like one in sort of one it's in another one take sequence, you know. Because the the thing is, there is a lot of conflict in the film. There's a lot of resolution in the film for the sake of making the film just keep going on and continuing. But but we are looking at Bali as sort of this mythical, uh, uh, you know, Kameran hero, this sort of leader, revolutionary leader who's capable of doing anything. So there's even a point when. If you remember, I think the interval point when uh, Bali and his tri- and his g- gang sort of uh, 
uh, invade um, Shut Singh's uh, wedding. Uh, yeah. And uh, and they basically go there, even though the British High Command is present there, they go there to steal the gold and to steal money from there so that then they can pay that same British High Command to sort of take a decision in their favor. Like, you know, the thing is, you are going all out yes. with your hero. You're going all out with your imagination. What is this sort of roundabout way to sell the film to us? Like, why even stretch the film? And that it, that same wedding ends with like, Sort of Sanjay that shooting, sort of shooting from a fair distance. Uh, one of the one of the gang members, uh, one of the decoits, he shoots dead, and then they go into this uh, existential phase where they doubt everything <laughs> they're doing because one of them died. Like it makes no sense. And and the problem is that you know we uh, these characters mostly the the uh, the decoits who who band up with Shamshira, we get to know them like sort of at halftime or after halftime. And uh, they are not memorable enough to for the film to go into this depression for like 10-15 minutes after one of them dies. It's like, who cares? I, I don't even know his name. I, I, it's like they, they have no characteristics. Uh, uh, we only know Saurabh Shukla because he's Saurabh Shukla and he's given like a lot of, uh, 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 you know, uh, screen time because he's the one known actor amongst them. The rest of them, it doesn't really matter like uh, and uh, why should they care and not only do they get sad but they completely disband it's it's inexplicable yeah. that that whole portion uh, and it just uh, it it gives the feeling that the film has just completely run out of ideas and is uh, treading water until it can do its final face off between that and uh, ranbir kapoor yeah, exactly. And that final face-off, as you mentioned, you know, one of the most bland face-offs I've seen, uh, you know, sort of should sing, first of all, betrays the British and then, uh, you know, the, the entire tribe finally stands up, which, sure, they could have done at the beginning of the film and broken down the gate. But, you know, the whole the whole concept was that, you know, fear sort of held them back and they, they sort of grow a, a, a spine when they see, you know, Bali... Uh, come to rescue them and and almost give his life and Bali is on the verge of dying then. So again, you know, it's it's all very awkward sort of staging in that sense. Like uh, the whole point of action or the whole point of a Westerner, like which which is heavy on action and which is heavy on fantasy is that uh, you're supposed to believe in this larger of life stature of the hero and you're supposed to believe in the fact that... Uh, when he's on screen, anything is possible. Like, you know, RRR. Because the reason I even was able to overlook the cast politics of that film is because of the imagination. It's it's always a push and pull between two different aspects of the film, right? It would, That film was politically inert, but it had so much imagination that I started to right. think backward. Uh, here, it's the opposite. Here, you know, you it's supposedly progressive in, in a sense. Uh, compared to most other uh, films in the genre. But again, the action is so bland and the imagi- imagination does not exist. The screenplay is so full of loopholes. It's flawed. Uh, most of it doesn't make sense. Most of the set pieces we see don't have a reason to exist as well because because uh, there's no way uh, most of the characters, first of all, we don't feel for any of them. Secondly, uh, Bali is sort of capable of doing anything, but he keeps sort of uh, doing things to stretch the film forward. So there are so many problems on an execution level that you you stop seeing what the film could have been. And as you mentioned, you know, the film could have been, at least it had a couple of good ideas. Um, but, and especially given the landscape we're in as far as period films that 
concerned or war films are concerned and you've written about both of them so much uh, you know you, you think that a film that uh, has it has its head slightly screwed on better than the others uh, would do better on a visceral level but this film fails so spectacularly on a filmmaking level on a storytelling level that uh, you know it's impossible to look at any of its merits you know in isolation they are all correlated they are interrelated that train sequence would make sense if as you said you know uh, we had seen enough of a heist the 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 death of the decoys would have made sense if we had been more familiar with some of the decoys but we only yeah. uh, heard of shorab shukla and his verse verses that's it like uh, and and the mother and uh, the, the ronit roy character who is the you know sort of ex colonel of the ex uh, sort of um, a colonel of the of the shamsheran sort of army uh, they they i mean they disappear for most of the film like because it's it's uh, they are being rescued so obviously the film does not give them enough screen time because they are just waiting for uh, bali to come and sort of rescue them and it it is revealed later that they are aware of the fact of that bali is alive because you know the film makes us think that bali is dead initially and all of them are in the dark about it but you know it it just it just fails on a very basic fundamental level and i think that is my main problem with a yashraj with a big budget yashraj film like this uh, in 2022 you can't um, you can't overlook these details yeah and i just as you know a last thought from me on this film is that uh, look it's fine to try and present a different side of ranbir a slightly more like uh, larger than life hero and uh, you know side grumpy and uh, action uh, action man and uh, you know uh, is sort of with a flowing beard and stuff but you run your own risk when you like keep charming ranbir to a minimum in your film you can do it but you better be confident that you have something like very you know much better to offer the audience because if you don't then you better play on ranbir's charm because it's the one thing that he has that like sets him above any other actor just that natural sort of grace and charm and out here i think it's limited to a pretty small portion in the film the uh, part where uh, yeah. balli is kind of learning about his father and before he escapes because after he escapes that charm kind of starts evaporating pretty quickly and uh, he becomes like this sort of serious decoit again and uh, for me the portions where uh, balli is actually his own person and not trying to become his father are still the most engaging portions of the film because ranveer sells those and uh, i don't uh, you know and and the film kind of doing away with that uh, i think is a kind of misplaced confidence on karan marotra's part Yeah, I mean, do you also feel like Ranbir has made a conscious change in, you know, his sort of in the direction of his acting career? Because I think after the bombing of Jaga, um, and he he signed a lot of this uh, this film as well as the next two films he's doing. I think uh, not so much Brahmastra, which he signed way back in I think thirteen or fourteen, which when he was still in his very ambitious phase of doing all kinds of films. But this film and the uh, um, and uh, I think the Love Ranjan film and the um the guy who directed kabir singh his next film uh, oh, yeah. I, yeah i think he signed all these three films after the bombing of uh, sort of jagga jasus and it's very obvious that he's taking a very conscious shift towards being sort of a more massy hero and you know the sort of ranveer singh sort of i can do anything 
sort of thing i need to be enduring to the masses now i'm i've done my style uh, i've done my sort of classy stuff and uh, you know most of it didn't work in the last four or five years so i'm going to do this uh, there's that shift very obvious uh, with with a film like shamshera uh, especially with the way he plays uh, balli to in the second half of the film like as as this all out action hero uh, but uh, but that's the thing you know it it doesn't feel like he's playing uh, to his strengths as you said and and it doesn't feel like the and, and there are going to be films that accept him for this like for this change that he's he's he wants to go through he wants to sort of uh, be a more i i guess he wants to be a more fi- uh, financially sort of uh, you know a reliable uh, you know bet in that sense and uh, i think i don't think we're going to see a lot of passion projects of his uh, uh, any more and this is coming from someone who has been you know I, i've been very fond of ranbir as an actor for the longest time and i've been seeing the shifts in his career and the fact that he's come back after four years for whatever reason uh, with a film like this and of course brahmastra releases in less than two months um, there is a shift and and i feel like this is the kind of shift that charuk khan went through uh, you know after the 90s and the early 2000s when he decided to sort of become more of amir khan and salman khan rather than be charuk khan himself uh because you know the box office the 100 crore all these things started coming into the landscape then and you know when you want to become sort of this superstar that is more uh, sort of um, more of a massy superstar than the actor you've been i feel like we are seeing a very similar shift in ranbir as well i don't know what will amount to because you know shamshera is just four days old or five days old i don't think it's doing too well uh but you know it's too early to tell but i have a feeling this is not great news for um for a lot of the ranbir the charming ranbir that we saw in the early part of his career i don't think we're going to see a lot of that um uh, you know down the line yeah it could could well be and the problem with um, with this film is kind of also that uh, i mean it's not good so that's you know there's a like people who actually want to watch something good there's you know they obviously won't like it and it's also not the kind of bad that is working nowadays in india like it's not it's it's not crazy enough even in its badness to kind of draw the kind of crowds that ranbir probably wanted when he took on this role so it's sort of like somewhere in the middle of those and uh, it's uh, it's just sort of uh, fizzles out yeah uh, i think yeah shamshera i mean there's not really much to discuss uh, besides the fact that it it really was not a good film and uh, uh, we will obviously be i mean i have a feeling we'll be back discussing brahmastra in september hopefully with a different sort of um, you know uh, take on the film but you know the way things are going it's a, looking a little bleak we'll move on to the next film today we are discussing uh, it is the lone english film between the two hindi films we are discussing uh, the gray man directed by the russo brothers uh, netflix is allegedly its most expensive film ever made uh, another actioner it's based on a book uh, it stars ryan gosling chris evans uh, it has a dhanush cameo uh which obviously we if only have been if you've been living in a cave you don't know about that one uh and uh, yeah and and it's a spy versus spy sort of uh, you know globe trotting action film where there is no time to breathe and uh, a bad spy uh, sort of um, uh, chases a good spy across europe um, and um, 
that's pretty much about it. Ryan Gosling plays the good spy who's sort of who's an ex-prisoner who's now in the CIA program and he's sort of 18, 20 years into his career and uh, he chances upon some, you know, uh, unsavory CIA secrets and the CIA then hire a mercenary sort of ex-CIA uh, agent to hunt him down who's played by Chris Evans, which I thought the casting was really interesting as far as Chris, Chris Evans goes because he has that very porn star moustache about him and I've never really pictured him as a bad guy. Uh, so I found that quite interesting because, you know, we've seen him as Captain America for the longest time. So he sort of represents a certain kind of uh, American image on screen. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I found, that's where sort of my interest in the film sort of is limited to there. Uh, I really did not like the film at all. Uh, mm. So I think this is like even less than Shamshera. So I think this is, uh, this was really... Uh, a painful experience for me and uh, for a bunch of reasons really but uh, I, I think a large part of that is just their um, uh, the kind of uh, big budget Hollywood action which you see nowadays is uh, in a way as uh, hampered as, as Hindi film action. Uh, it's mm. just that it's done on such a large scale and it has this sort of false polish to it that it seems to, um, you know, it, it seems more impressive. But actually, when you come down to it and you break down these sequences, they are they're just very, uh, you know, chaotic and they just don't have the kind of impact which a couple of good films actually do. And if you compare like these, you know, the, the Netflix action films and say the Marvel and the DC ones and you compare them to say like, you know, the Mission Impossible films or John Wick or the John Wick series where they actually, you know, have uh, clarity and inventiveness in their action. You can see the difference, let alone yeah. comparing it to like other countries uh, which have like a tradition of, of uh, you know, better, richer uh, more handmade action uh, and uh, it's uh, this film is around two hours it's uh, it's a little over two hours but the end credits are like really long so it's a little actually the running time is a little under two hours and it's pretty much wall-to-wall -wall action there's really nothing in terms of any kind of character development or any sort of thing which is fine I mean there are a lot of films that are like that including the John Wick films but then you better give like something that is memorable and I, I didn't find uh, any of the Greyman uh, action memorable for a couple of reasons uh, one of course is I think they're just um, I think the Russos are a bit limited in their uh, in their action direction. Uh, they, I, I was I had hopes for them uh, in Civil War, especially that uh, beautiful uh, sequence at the airport where uh, you know, which seemed to me very well planned, well choreographed. And you had a very good idea of the strengths uh, of of all the superheroes fighting there, and it that was truly uh, exciting. And I thought that you know we had something special going forward in these guys and uh, but their subsequent stuff including the last two avengers films and now this uh, seemed to suggest that that was uh, you know that was a one off and uh, i really did not like uh, any of the sequences out here uh, uh, for uh, for that reason the, and also that uh, i i don't know why it's shot 
to look like uh, you know there is this sort of uh, dark grey filter over the whole film and uh, it's not a dramatic lighting that you you know th- that makes things look like sharper or you know uh, uh, more uh, uh, you know uh, 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 flashy it's just dull uh, you can't see things uh, it's it's so weird like i i, I realized that when they uh, shared um, a photo um, uh, on uh, on twitter yesterday the netflix account of uh, anna de armas and jessica henwick who are in the film and uh, it they, you could barely see their faces and those are the best screen grabs that netflix themselves can bring of this of their own film and it just kind of uh, made me realize that you know that this is just i mean it's it's uh, it's it's just bad filmmaking there's no other way to kind of uh, break it down yeah i mean first of all i can't even get over the fact that you're watching this sort of wall to wall actioner on a small screen it's a netflix it's a streamer um i don't get the logic behind making these obviously meant for big screen films uh you know made by netflix and you know amazons or whatever it is for the small screen i i i really do not get it because it takes away everything like the the other titles you mentioned like mission impossible john wick i can't imagine watching them anywhere else for the first time at least like uh, they have to be on the big screen and it doesn't help that the action in this film is so incoherent because i could not get over like i had to write an entire piece about how terrible the action is in this film because there really is nothing else to the film as you mentioned it's just uh, it's just a bunch of guys playing blow up across europe and uh, it's just going to expensive locations and expensive cities and uh, and blowing everything up and you know the collateral damage is uh, is not an american thing exactly they don't really care for it and uh, it it's it's one of those things where i was very frustrated watching it uh, on my tv on my laptop uh, that that you know it, it, and even if you're trying to follow the narrative of an action sequence it gets almost impossible there's this obviously there's this headlining sort of prague sequence which is 8 or 9 minutes long uh, which is basically just a bunch of uh, cops and assassins go, uh, going to sort of trying to kill ryan gosling's character in the middle of prague and um, you know it involves a bunch of things like trams and cars and bombs and and guns and everything and by the end of it um, i had no idea who was where what what anyone was doing uh, within the sequence the cuts were so dizzying um, so it may it almost makes sense that it's come from the people who pretty much are behind the marvel uh, sort of mcu franchise uh, who are who have headlined them for the longest time you know the captain america film that i'd like to think were the exception rather than uh, you know rather than the norm because when it came to the avengers the two avengers that they made uh, the action there's a lot to tie in that action that we saw between superheroes and you know this vfx heavy sort of blinding blitz of action that we saw in those films to the ones we see here uh, where none of them are really clear uh, you know there's a bunch of very weird drone shots as well Uh, that you know they do to mix it up in the action sequences yeah. and yes. none of it really made sense because you're talking about two spies and two cia agents uh, sort of chasing each other across uh, europe and uh, you know and you still can't figure out who's doing what and uh, and all these cameos from say wagner mora or from even dhanush for that matter even anna damas had no reason to exist in the film other than the fact that you know she is a female agent and that's it that was that she had no she was just sort of excess baggage in the whole film 
her character did not make sense uh, of course i don't expect a lot of action films to you know really justify the decisions the creative decisions the writing decisions they take but to an extent some of it matters because you know you're supposed to invest in characters who are trying to survive against all odds like you invest in tom cruise's character in mission impossible but there the action is so clear it has such a great clarity it has such a great build up and sense of suspense and the fact that you can it's almost like listening to uh, you know a sort of an orchestral piece reaching a crescendo in most of those action films there is a sense of timing and build up and three act structure within the action sequences that greyman sorely lacks and it is i blame entirely i blame the russo brothers for this and what they've done to the marvel franchise and how they've made an entire generation think of action because for this generation who've grown up on mcu grown up on these marvel films these blockbusters i think the more you're blinded by what you're seeing on screen the more impressive it feels and that's not a good thing because you know the action used to stand for something in these films and uh, i i feel like uh, mad max fury road is a classic example of how to do the best of both worlds you know you don't want to have a screenplay don't have it you want to have all to all action go for it but just the audacity of the action needs to be uh, enough and i feel like that's why i think we are sounding the same as we did while discussing shamshera because uh, it is more or less the same problem and it is more or less i think the hollywood version of that film and you know if, when it comes to what it represents and what it stands for in in terms of genre yeah i i i mean i i uh, see ryan gosling he is uh, absolutely entitled to go and collect his netflix check and you know then do uh, the you know uh, hopefully much better films that he'll do with you know outside of franchises uh, and he's been uh, he's been pretty honest that way uh, uh, keeping out of you know uh, obvious uh, rubbish uh, but uh, it's it's just such a uh, a waste of ryan gosling out here uh, like I, uh, i you know you could easily have ryan reynolds in in this role uh, sort of uh, fighting a bit and wise cracking then uh, then fighting a bit it's 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 definitely a ryan reynolds template in which they managed to find the budget to uh, pay ryan gosling uh i'm i'm assuming ryan gosling has paid more than reynolds though i'm not sure maybe not uh but uh, i i i'm just saying i think it's beneath him uh he's still uh, i think uh, uh he has these moments where he reminds you uh, why he's such a funny uh, uh actor sometimes even even in these action movie uh, roles because he does these like weird groans that are uh, Uh, that kind of reminded me of the nice guys uh, where he's like every time he gets beaten up by russell crowe or by anyone else he sort of lets out these groans and moans and he sort of sort of does that out here also but uh, it's you know with the the awful uh, uh, lines that he gets to mouth out here and and just like a a really dumb film at every level it is kind of below him and and to hear that there are going to be sequels and spin-offs and all doesn't make me very happy i i i i think uh, he's um, made for better things than this 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much done with that franchise. Like with this franchise, if it's going to turn it into a franchise, and there is the threat of doing that because they just announced a spin-off sort of thing on Ryan Gosling's character, and that's a good point that it was a very Ryan Reynolds template. If I have to think back on the Netflix blockbusters, so to say, a couple of years later, I won't be able to figure out the difference between this and the last Ryan Reynolds film or the last two Ryan Reynolds films I watched. One I think featured Dwayne Johnson, which was Red yeah. Notice, and uh, awful. yeah. And that was equally awful or worse. And this, uh, and there was another Ryan Reynolds film featuring time travel, whose name I've obviously forgotten because that's how sort of dispensable the template looks and is. And it's really a very obviously sort of cash grabbing sort of Netflixy decision. And uh, you know, you're right. It's sort of beneath Ryan Gosling to do roles like this. Hopefully, you know, there's all. actors like him sort of find a balance so we will be treated to more gosling and even in good guy sort of roles uh, in the future but yeah, yeah. as far let as me ask, uh, let me ask you something uh, since you know you mentioned dhanush uh, do you feel at some level that um, not only is netflix playing us but we are very happy to be played as indians being sold that dhanush is one of the stars of the gray man where he basically shows up for one Uh, fight sequence and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the the way that I mean, it's obviously Netflix and the Russos and everyone is going to build it up like Dhanush is a big part of the film. Uh, but uh, the fact is that he's not. And uh, but in India also, we've been very happy to play along with that, and it, that seems dishonest and uh, kind of uh, desperate on our part. I I don't know. I it struck me as very weird. it is that usual sort of western exoticism thing that we indians have an inferiority complex when it comes to our own cinema or being represented in the west it's the reason we are obsessed with the oscars as well it sort of ties into it extends into this thing right like even when dipika did that small role in one of those many fast and furious sort of films or uh, if any of our stars have this blink or miss i think alia bhat is next in line uh, yeah, yeah. Um, to do a netflix uh, same uh, sort of action film and yeah we are happy to be played it's a very indian thing it's a very bollywood thing for that matter it's a very uh, dhanush uh, uh, you know and netflix pray, uh, like any other studio will prey on that you know it's a, it's very obvious why wagner mora uh, sort of even uh, appears for that because he needs to sort of they need to tap into the south american market through him they need to tap into the south asian market through dhanush and uh, and the way netflix has hyped it up and had this india tour almost for dhanush and and the other stars uh, of the film and them sort of waxing uh, eloquent about uh, dhanush and his role and how uh, the directors want to work with him again how they've been big fans sure it's very dishonest but it's it's nothing another studio wouldn't do uh, in in terms of publicity and marketing it's uh, it's our reaction to it that's a problem and this will keep going on because you know um uh, to to dhanush's credit he looks fairly bemused about why he's getting so much attention to do a film <laughs> like this he sounds fairly like why the hell did i get this role why do they like me and why is it such a big deal whenever you hear any of his interviews uh but um, you know i mean it is what it is we uh, are more than happy to sort of join that publicity bandwagon and and fall for it and dhanush is is literally in one action sequence and uh, he's called sort of sexy tamilian friend twice or thrice by uh, by the antagonist in this film to remind us that he has morals uh, because he's a south asian character in this despite being an assassin um 
but yeah it's just tokenism and and i sort of saw it coming the moment they announced anush in the role and i think those of us who review films on a week to week basis or whatever it is we i mean we know this but there a lot of viewers will fall for it they need indians to watch this netflix film what with their falling numbers and their sort of falling share prices so um so yeah it is dishonest but it is how the business has been for the longest time we are going to keep seeing it over over the next few years as well as more of our stars participate in their films for one or two sequences because they know india is such a big market so so yeah i'm not surprised by it but it is what it is um should we move on to rk rk yeah i think so yeah i think now is the time now i mean this is the film we actually wanted to discuss this week those were the two uh, big ticket films so to say that we have just uh, uh, ranted about and discussed and uh, this is rajat kapoor's film rk rk it is playing in theaters right now i'm not sure of a streaming release but we do heavily recommend that you watch it whenever it if it comes out on streaming or in theaters as well uh, it is again the second double role film of the hindi film of the week and uh, it stars rajat kapoor as well very meta film about a bunch of things and my favorite thing is it it's about making a film which i think for us is a weak spot uh, even as critics when we see films about making films it's it's automatically very enduring uh, uday maybe a few lines about the film before we sort of discuss it uh yeah so in uh, in short it's basically about a director uh, uh who's addressed as rk by everyone uh, is played by rajat kapoor uh he's working on a film called mera naseeb which is which looks quite bad actually which is yeah. i think part of the fun uh and uh, it kind of sucker punches you because you think that it's kind of going to be or at least i thought it's going to be this sort of spoofy uh kind of thing you know which we've seen before like this sort of uh, making of a film and the film isn't very good but the people who are making it are you know you come to like them so you you know you want them to do well i thought it was going to be that kind of film i hadn't seen the trailer for this very luckily so mm. i i really went into it without knowing what would happen what basically does transpire is that uh, uh, this film is almost uh, i mean it's been shot it's then being edited and one day uh, rk is told that the lead character uh, in the film uh, who's also played by him a man named mehboob uh, is uh, missing from the scenes shot so the scenes uh, remain the way they were shot uh but if you look at the edit uh, mehboob is missing in all those scenes the characters are just talking to a blank uh, uh, you know a missing space and uh, this uh, and and there's kind of no real explanation uh, why this is happening and this is the kind of sort of slightly dream space that this film uh, occupies in that the idea that a character might go missing is not taken as something so out of the ordinary and uh, a little while later uh, when the character actually shows up in in the real world uh, of the film uh, uh, mehboob is found and then he is sort of uh, uh, questioned by the crew uh, even that is kind of taken up as something you know that i mean maybe not exactly uh, normal life but not something that they can't get their head around they uh, uh, you know they pretty much take it uh, uh, in their stride and then try and figure out uh, what they should do with this character who's escaped the film and is among them so it's basically a very playful film uh, as you mentioned a very meta film also 
and uh, kind of uh, talks about a lot of things and gets more philosophical as it goes along which is something that you know if you've seen a bunch of rajat kapoor films he does have this tendency that you know his films can seem a little uh, uh, farcical to start off with and then they get a little deeper and deeper i'm thinking particularly of uh, of aankhon dekhi and mithya both of them which have like a, a comical premise and mm. then kind of get into you know much deeper questions about uh, creation and authenticity and how uh, how people want to live their lives Hmm. Yeah, uh, and and you know you mentioned Rajat Kapoor's filmography, and and it is and R K versus R K is such a nice little sort of almost uh, you know a culmination of this whole identity crisis thing that he's been doing for years through his films that themselves are low budget films, themselves are crowdsourced indies, uh, uh, and they speak about uh, uh, you know they have the sort of protagonists that are finding themselves in a very different way from the kind of Bollywood. coming of age finding yourself that we've seen and and i felt like this was the reason i even like this so much is because it, 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 the films that you mentioned like mithya and akho dekhi um they get philosophical towards the end and they start with a comical premise the lightness of touch gives way to this deeper question and this deeper sort of almost this deeper dimension of thoughts and and the way people live but some of those films like those films tend to get a little heavy handed towards the end they tend to go off the rails like the characters themselves you know they almost sort of internalize the characters mental space and go into this uh, space that we aren't ready for um, and i like the fact that none of it as you mentioned is none of it is really treated as something out of the ordinary in any of these films and especially in this film where it, technically it's almost a sci-fi premise uh, you know that a fictional character is escaping from the film and uh, trying to exist in the real world and you know for a fact that he's going to be get more familiar with the real world while the director is going to ask questions about his own reality um i like that the, this film sort of retains that um, that playfulness throughout even in the end or towards the end last 10 or 15 minutes even though it's philosophical on paper it sort of depends on the person watching the film if you are a filmmaker yourself if you are a film enthusiast if you love films if you don't if you don't love films but you, you like sort of uh, uh, but you like watching uh, sort of slightly outlandish premises it depends on who's watching it and that playfulness that it retains that lightness of touch is um, is consistent throughout the film the film never tries to lose you uh, tries to go into a dark space because it very well could have and even even the darkness towards the end of this film where there are a bunch of sort of almost comical moments that that uh, are the danger of beca- uh, spiraling out of hand um i feel like it isn't weighed down by uh, a ne- you know a sort of necessity to make a statement about life or to make a statement about or to ma- just give yeah. a message to the viewer watching it and that was visible in his previous films because as with most filmmakers who struggled to make films the way they want and rajat kapoor has been one of those filmmakers who right from the beginning has been making films his own way and not depended on big studios and has been crowdsourcing and has been crowdfunding for the longest time so that sort of cynicism nihilism comes through in your films and he has represented them very well in a lot of his uh, films even though you know the film tends to go off the rails towards the end i, I just like that there's more control in this film and there is no I, I, i mean there is a bit for everyone who is watching the film like i was just 
I was so entertained by it, the smartness of the way uh, a lot of scenes are staged, the the humor in the film, the way the two, the way Mahboob and R K sort of interact with each other, the way Mahboob, uh, the way almost every other scene is an ode to something or the other in Hindi films or in the fact that the way Hindi films are made. or take down of the way hindi films are made in this country uh, so if you even engage on it on a superficial level it is very enjoyable if you want to get philosophical about it there is a lot there to to offer you whatever you're looking for uh, so I, i sort of like that like it it wasn't trying to teach you something it wasn't getting preachy even though it had all the potential to do so i absolutely agree and i i really like that thing that you know it's it's what it seemed to be doing is kind of throwing out these ideas and then it's just like it's not trying to wrap them up in in a message or in anything concrete it's just like you know here are a bunch of uh, you know thoughts uh, and see which one kind of you grab onto if you don't it doesn't matter if you find something like more resonant in all of this it's fine otherwise it doesn't matter it's just you know we are uh, we are not going to try and make this seem like something uh, you know very deep uh, the depth is is kind of incidental uh, which i think is a very unusual attitude for a hindi film Uh, even mm. good hindi films can get uh, pretty didactic and pretty uh, you know insistent on the audience uh, taking away what they wanted to take away and this didn't seem to have that at all and you just you mentioned like these you know these bunch of little clever things that the film does and one of them you've mentioned in your review and i uh, it's it's just such a smart thing that uh when mehboob uh, uh, turns up at the railway station he uh, he he sits in a car uh and uh, in a cab and uh, then he uh, just a second later he asked the driver if they've reached and uh, it didn't even i mean it didn't strike me what is happening but as as you mentioned uh, in his reality a cut uh, would have brought him to his destination we wouldn't even have seen him do the whole journey so he's still in 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 that world of of edits and uh, you know convenient uh, Uh, turns of the story, and but those are not uh, being supplied to him out here, and uh, it's it's just smart. Like, does it mean anything? I don't really know, but it's just like a, a really clever little thing done out there. Uh, there's, um, uh, I saw a bunch of people uh, mentioning how uh, the film was um, uh, uh, very similar to Woody Allen's The Purple Rose of Cairo, and uh, I. would uh, agree to an extent uh, it is uh, quite a lot like that film and it does have nods to a bunch of other films though perhaps purple rose to cairo most of all and uh, the the reason i bring this up is that uh, you know we, this is the second uh, film this year that's kind of taken off on a woody allen film uh, the first of course being gehraiya and match point and the only thing i'll say is that if you make a really good film no one is going to go on about how this is taken from this other film and instead they'll just see you know the merit in your film whereas if you make a film that is uh, flawed in a lot of ways then yes people are going to uh, point out the source because that at least becomes something interesting to talk about yeah that's a good point because i i remember liking geraya and not even noticing how similar it was to match point because i liked the film so much because in my obviously in my eyes it was a good film 
uh, I think the same, yeah, the same goes for RK as well because uh, Purple Dose of Cairo is the most obvious comparison and it is, it holds. Like, the, it is there are a lot of similar things. Uh, but again, you know, as we mentioned, those little details uh, that Rajat Kapoor sort of infuses this film with is also very sort of Bombay, uh, mid-budget Bollywood filmmaking stuff that a lot of Aram Nagar, Varsova films we've seen over the years, there was an entire era of them, like back in the day, 2007 to 2013. I think Amit Masurkar's first film, uh, Suleimani Keda, was sort of more or less based in the same world as an RK versus RK, same universe. Uh, and, it, you know, those it really depends on how the director sort of sells uh, a kind of meta little playful concept like that and for me even if it was so similar to at least conceptually to a Woody Allen film there is so much about its texture about the way uh, uh, about the way this film has been designed and made and the the sort of little little throwaway moments like the one you know I, I wrote about the one you mentioned uh, uh, you know that little sort of spotlight on him all the time the difference in color tones between the fictional character and it's and the real world he's in uh, uh you know the reactions the the, the poker very poker face sort of uh, uh you know take on such a sort of magic realism sort of almost premise uh i, I really like that it reminded me of the bombay i sort of live in the bombay i've like seen a lot of directors uh, uh, and uh, seen a lot of assistant directors and actors and producers. The the producer that Manu Rishi Chadda plays is, you know, it's wonderfully done. Like it's, you see, you've seen enough, if you spend enough time in these lanes and in these, uh, in these areas, you see producers, builders turned producers like him who carry their own bottle around. You see, uh, uh, you know, Malika Sherawat sort of, uh, which was, you know, incidentally good casting as well. And we've seen more Hindi films do this lately. Uh, especially in the streaming space. Uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, they played very, I mean, they played into sort of Rajat Kapoor's strengths and they played along with the film very well. And, uh, you know, Ranveer Shore, you know, again, he's one of my favorite actors. Uh, uh, and the, the way he played this villain who is, you know, on his own trip and sort of goes into his own world towards the end of the film. I, I, I quite enjoyed that as well. And uh, again, the film wasn't trying to be too intellectual about it. It was just having fun. And you don't see a lot of uh, low-budget films. Again, this you see a bunch of names at the beginning of RK versus RK, which means it's crowdfunded. Uh, you don't see a lot of filmmakers still uh, make these kind of films. And, and uh, this was back in, like, back in the Beja Fry era, when the small film became a big deal, when they started earning twice or thrice their budget, uh, by playing in limited theatres across the country. This used to be a big deal. I like the fact that Rajat Kapoor is still there without really looking outdated uh, in terms of his filmmaking, in terms of the way he's executed this film as well. Because I don't think there's any false note craft-wise. I think they've used uh, the very limited amount of locations very economically. Uh, one cafe, one house, one editing suite, uh, and one sort of uh, uh, film city ka road and woods and that's it and there's one station shot so I, I felt like this is a very good example for a lot of film students who want to make their own films at the beginning of their career and be noticed hopefully by producers and funders and studios and I felt like you know it, it was obviously a personal film coming from a personal space coming from his own experiences as a filmmaker but again, you know, it wasn't uh, navel-gazing at the same time. It wasn't really didactic, as you mentioned. And 
and a lot of the little details give us the enjoyment that a lot of films about filmmaking don't tend to that's why you know i'm such a big fan of luck by chance as well because joe actor was very honest to the world that she grew up in and the right, bollywood right. that she she saw around her you know so she sort of uh, crafted something out of her privilege of growing in a growing up in a big bollywood family and and she, and it was very well observed and i think this is very well observed on the other end of the spectrum for the kind of world that say rajat kapoor and his uh his uh, group of collaborators who we've seen in this film as well have sort of uh, uh you know been observing over the years and uh, yeah i like this more than his previous film kadak which was again a one apartment mm-hmm. thriller it was again very smartly written and done uh, uh and well acted as well we see a bunch of actors from that film even chandrachur rai as the assistant director here was the dead body in that film uh yes. i i like him also as an actor you know as a sort of peripheral uh, presence in most he's, of rajesh kapoor he's Kapoor's very funny here yeah yeah he's very funny here because, because he is really the kind of assistant director that you see very often here and and you know uh, the way he even reacts to sort of malika sherawat being a diva on the set uh, yeah. is quite funny uh, so yeah those those little textual details are what make rk versus rk 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 for me again you know rk versus rk is such a meta thing to say because we just watch ak versus ak not too long back another film set in this meta world of hindi filmmaking which which i thought was the other end of the spectrum as far as the genre is concerned because that film was a thriller it got heavy uh, it it was a sort of action film almost so to say but you know uh, i enjoyed both films in very different ways and and this is you know this is beautiful ironies that sort of come up through the film and uh, i i think uh, the the idea that the character uh, mehboob he wants to escape the film uh, and the director wants to dive into the film and does not care for life and mehboob wants to live like a life i think that becomes a little more you know a more and more resonant as the film goes on and it just sort of sets up this uh, uh, very beautiful sort of last act of the film uh, in which you're not even quite sure what happens why it happens uh, but uh, you do feel for both of them because they it's like uh, uh, the verses kind of uh, uh, is not the kind of verses of ak versus ak it's yeah. uh, it's 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 almost like a sort of wistful juxtaposition like uh, instead of like a rivalry uh, between the two of them uh, also i thought it was very funny how uh, ranveer shore's uh, 1950s gangster uh, is more uh, worshipful of his creator uh, than the more complex uh, mehboob and maybe you know a little comment there about how when you make like a more life like character it's less likely to obey you in the way that uh, a cliche uh, uh, would uh, uh, because ranveer uh, ranveer shore's gangster is a stock character basically and mehboob is this flesh and blood uh, thing in a in a very cliched sort of setting mehboob is the only character that seems like it's drawn from like some kind of life and uh, but that character is the one that does not want to play by the rules uh, and that i think is quite funny yeah i think that's the best part of the film right because the film that rk is making is actually quite a bad film his producer clearly does not have faith in it his assistant directors are trying to be kind but they know it's a shitty film because 
you sense that even RK, the filmmaker, is on his own sort of career junction, right? At his intersection where he's made a bunch of, say, bad indie films or crowdsourced films. He's finally found a funder and he's probably decided to sell his soul by making a film that's an ode to period Bollywood films. And we know for a fact that when you make ode to period films here, it's become almost a cash-grabbing genre in Hindi cinema right now. Like, you justify your campy filmmaking, your bad filmmaking by calling it an ode to the 70s westerns or to the 50s uh, sort of uh, family melodramas, which which this one is. Uh, but quite plain and simply, uh, he is making a film that isn't himself. And uh, and it is he's going out of his sort of... Uh, he's sort of betraying his own voice to make a film to be more accepted or to be more known. And you can sense a lot of history in his character, which I appreciated because all the information we are given is that, oh, your last film was terrible. But then if you look at it, if when I started thinking about why RK is making the kind of film he is, because he's an indie filmmaker, why the hell is he making a film that is a period sort of almost as, uh, uh, almost an ode, but that loses itself while trying to be a parody, it becomes a melodrama itself. Uh, why is he doing something like that? Uh, and and that's what like that's why I even mentioned in my review that it reminded me of the sort of conflict say Anurag Kashyap might have been going through while making Bombay Velvet on a obviously on a larger scale. But you know when right. a sort of when a filmmaker when a cult filmmaker sort of known among cinephiles decides to go the popular route, this is the conflict. This is the existentialism he probably faces while making a film that is. Uh, that is betraying his own voice. And I guess RK was going through something like this. And the character that he wrote, Mehboob, was uh, uh, a sort of a version of himself, but again, uh, a little more crowd-pleasing version of it. So that's why he sort of grows his own heart. And also, I like that we could derive our own theories uh, uh, by watching the film. And that is part of the entertainment. That is part of the engagement of, of this film. And that is part of, I think, why this film will endure as one of those very well-made filmmaking film within a film dramas or uh, uh, comedies over the, over the years because uh, because of uh, its it sort of understanding of ambition uh, because of its understanding of scale and and the way it sort of uh, really doesn't try to be anything else other than itself and these little uh, these, we've been seeing skits about filmmaking for the longest time and we keep saying that you know these TVF guys make uh, the films that they make are turn or the shows that they make turn into glorified skits but this is the way you do it correctly I feel because there is more uh, meat to the narrative than just the gimmicky premise which is basically uh, a character escapes from a film and uh, yeah and it was uh, and that's pretty much what sort of even defined our perception of the film our enjoyment of the film. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I don't have much more to add to that, but uh, just a small thing that it's playing in theatres, uh, even though uh, one might sort of think that a film like this would not get into theatres nowadays and would be uh, immediately put on streaming, but uh, it is on theatres and in theatres and I think uh, uh, people who have uh, sort of bent for uh, slightly more open-ended cinema uh, will enjoy this one and uh, you uh, should probably try and catch it uh, quickly though because uh, you know another week and there'll be other big films and um, it'll be out of the halls pretty quickly. 
Yeah, as Uday said, catch it in theaters and you know, beard because Greyman should have been in theaters. It's on streamers, and that this should have been on streaming, and it's in theaters. It's sort of almost uh, it's been a very weird week in that sense. But I I am sure that a film like this will also have a streaming afterlife. But for those of you who want to catch this, who are interested in what you heard about, um, go for it. Watch this film. I uh, wouldn't recommend any other film playing in theaters right now or on streaming. Uh, and yeah, and I think that's about it. Even from my side, as far as RK versus RK is concerned, we discussed uh, Shamshera, Greyman, and RK versus RK. Our pick is obviously RK. and uh, um, and do write into us if you have any more suggestions we will be doing these weekly podcasts uh, more because as you know there has been a deluge of uh, films and shows uh, in the recent months which will which looks to continue well till diwali or ba- uh, beyond it uh, there will be an alia bhat film next week on netflix so we will be discussing that soon as well uh, till then um, uh, stay safe and uh, do write into us rahulnolesa@gmail.com bhatia.ud@gmail.com we'll be happy to discuss uh other things as well if there are any requests and uh, uh yeah and uh, there thanks for joining me and uh, we'll be back soon